Well, good morning, everybody. The peace of the Lord be with you. It is good to be in the house of the Lord with God's people. It is good to gather in His name. It is a blessing that we have our health, that we can be here today. Something that I think the last two years have told us, taught us not to take for granted. So we give God thanks for that. I'm going to invite you to be healthy with me this morning and to stand one more time. And it is custom here at Skyview that we pray a prayer together as we anticipate hearing the Word of God. And so I invite you to pray this prayer with me, and then I'll read the Scripture, after which I will invite you to be seated. Let us pray. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the Scriptures are read and your Word is proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee. And the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. And when the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what concern is that to you and to me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now standing there were six stone water jars for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to them, fill the jars with water, and they filled them up to the brim. He said to them, now draw some out and take it to the chief steward. So they took it, and when the steward tasted the water that had become wine and did not know where it came from. <laughs> Though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the steward called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first and then the inferior wine after the guests have become drunk. But you have kept the good wine until now. Jesus did this, the first of his signs in Cana of Galilee, and revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Expectations can often set us up for disappointment. If anyone here has ever ordered something online, a shirt, for example, a pair of pants, shoes, some of you are already nodding no because you found out, don't do that. Maybe a kitchen gadget and it shows up and you find out that it's ill-fitting, it's, it's not as advertised. And so when it comes to expectations, I think that many of us understand that as you get older, you perhaps lower your expectations. 
Perhaps it would save us from greater disappointment. But then there are moments in life, times in my own experience, even this past week, where I wasn't expecting much and was totally surprised by something far more than what I was expecting. I think one of the great things uh, about that is, is that when, you know, for example, you, 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 you start watching a movie, but you don't really think it's going to be great. And then, to your surprise, at the end of the movie, you go, I, I'm so glad I watched that. Or you're invited to a, to, a, to a party and you're not really sure that you'll enjoy it, but you show up and you leave having made new friends. Or, or, or like this past week when I visited uh, a dear saint of God that is on his way to meet his Savior. And as I sat with his wife of 65 years and tried to comfort her, thinking that this would be very, very sad and very hard on her, she responded when I asked her, is he ready and are you ready for him to go with a smile that transcended the mask she was wearing. There is something beautiful about being surprised by that which is unexpected. And perhaps I would say to you that as much as I enjoy being surprised when I don't have high expectations, I am delighted to watch other people be surprised when they had not expected much either. Before Christmas, uh, we had the kids' grandparents visit with us. And this year, my wife charged me with the responsibility of buying their gifts. You don't know how much the Lord has done in her life that she would trust me like that. And I remember as we sat together, this is prior to Christmas, uh, you know, as we all had to do our Christmases differently, and I watched her as she opened, and I was excited because I, I knew I got it right. I knew I, I figured this one out. And as she opened that first gift, and you could just see, she's one of those people that I think can't really hide how they feel. There was just pure joy. She didn't at first know what it was, but she was excited. I wonder in this particular season of life, whether our expectations of God has been lowered so much that we no longer expect to be surprised by his power or his presence. This season of Epiphany is a, a season that follows after the season of Advent and Christmas, and in the church calendar, it is a time for us to, to take a closer look at the one who has come at Christmas, the one whose scripture defines as Emmanuel. It is also a season in which our faith really matters because when we look at the world in which we live, it is easy to miss the truth of God's word that God has come in Christ and following his resurrection and ascension has given us 
His Spirit's presence sealed with this promise that I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. And like the good steward, in, by the way, you see where my name comes from? I'm all over the New Testament. Like the good steward today, perhaps, we can open ourselves in faith to being surprised by the presence of God. I don't know what your situation is. I don't know what you're dealing with. I don't know uh, if you're carrying deep burdens. My suspicion is that many of us in this season have felt some weight, some pressure. Don't feel ourselves. Maybe we are in a place where we say, Stu, I'd like to hope, but hope is running dry, like the wine at Cana. And yet, our scripture paints for us a picture, gives us a sign, according to John the first of seven in his gospel, a sign that points us to this reality that God is with us. And when God is with us, things that run out can be replenished and things that are dying can be renewed. When God is present, he will surpass even our greatest expectations. In a simple way, I would say to you that this message is rather simple and pointed. It is an invitation for the church of God to again affirm our faith, to again believe what we confess with our words and through our song that we have not been left abandoned. And yet, if I must be honest with you, it does seem to me that our world, our Christian world, seems to have a rhetoric of abandonment these days. We, 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 we believe the words of media and others, instead the word that comes from God himself, who has promised that he is faithful and that he is with us. So how does the scripture, how does John's gospel help you and me to expect more from God in 2022? How does the scripture help us to raise our expectation because our faith is growing? How does the scripture enable us to live with a, a hope that derives not from what we observe, but from what we know is true according to scripture? I think first of all, John's gospel in the chapter right before the one we just read, teaches us this, that God is with us. In John chapter 1, verse 14, this is what we read. The Word became flesh and is dwelling amongst the people. Or as one of my favorite people in life that I've never met, Eugene Peterson says it, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. In John chapter 17, Jesus assures his disciples after having recognized that the time of his death, resurrection, and ascension was upon him, that he would not leave them without the Spirit's presence. If you want to understand the gospel of John, you must understand this, that John wants each and everyone who reads or hears his gospel to know this, 
that heaven has come to earth in the person of Christ, that the prayer that Jesus teaches his disciples to pray, that your kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven, in Christ is being fulfilled right now. And what that means for John's gospel and for us today is that we can have a confidence, a faith, a peace, and assurance in every season of life that the Word of God can be trusted because God is Emmanuel. He is with us. Sometimes the simplest truths are the hardest to believe. My late grandmother used to say, I'm always watching you. And I believed it for a long time as a kid, until I realized she was not omnipresent. But it was always amazing to me, whenever she pulled me aside, she knew when I had done something wrong. <laughs> so perhaps I was wrong. But the assurance of God's presence is not necessarily one that we, uh, we really believe. I, 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 I'm convinced that we talk about the presence of God, but we live as if that is not really true. We talk about the Spirit at work within our life, but we operate out of our own strength. We, 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 we talk an awful lot in the church sometimes about worshiping the God that is present and inhabits the praises of His people, but when life gets really difficult, and my attention is grabbed by so much of what is wrong in our world, it is so easy to forsake what John says from the outset that God has broken in and he is present by his Spirit. Mary, I'm convinced that any sincere reading of Scripture teaches us that women are better disciples than men. No amens. They are so significant in the ministry of Jesus, and yet the scope that is given to them in the narrative seems so sparse. But yes, Mary, the mother of Jesus, gives us this, this beautiful picture of a, a mother who believes in her son. <laughs> My mom believed in me. Wow. <laughs> Even at times when she should have. You know what I mean? <laughs> Uh, my mom had a, a confidence that, that I could accomplish so much in life. And, and only when I have, you know, not I, my wife had our, our children, did I understand what it means to have such a deep faith and confidence in my children. And how important it was for them to, to, to know that I believe in them. Now, I'm sure they'd say, and I'm preaching as if Luke's not here. The dad can be awfully hard on us sometimes. You know, sometimes uh, I, I look in the mirror and, and I see my own father now and I hear him and I go, what happened? <laughs> and there's a sense of wisdom that I now have that I didn't have when I was Luke's age and, and had as good a hair as he did. And yet, Mary shows for us Someone who knew that when Jesus is present, problems are fixed. 
Mary demonstrates for us a a faith and confidence in the person whom she's called her own as son, that his very presence in this wedding can make a difference. A simple truth. But oh, how significant to have such faith to believe that the one who says he is with us is able to do what no one else can. Do you believe that today? Do you believe that no matter what you face? Now, I know what happens in our minds. We go, you don't know what my life's like. You don't know what the burdens are that I carry. And i got to be honest, I, uh, sometimes I hear your burdens. Sometimes you share it with me. And I can say in many occasions, I can always relate to what you're carrying and what you're dealing with. All I have is sometimes my own experience to look at, but I've been in that place where the, where the weight, the scarcity, the, the problem, the challenge seems far greater than my faith. I've been in places where, 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 where I've struggled to believe that the answer is actually Jesus. You know, we make... We often make jokes as pastors when we talk, you know, we, we say that if you don't know what the answer is to anything when we're doing any study, just say Jesus, it's usually the answer. But the truth is, the answer and our hope is in the one who has come to be with us. And for you and me in this particular season, instead of entering this particular year with a concern and an anxiety and a fear, I want to invite you to practice faith in the presence of God. New Testament scholar, he puts it this way, that The wedding of Cana along with the other signs that is given to us in John's gospel shows us what happens when heaven breaks into the ordinary. When God's kingdom comes to earth. I want to suggest to you more than just believing that God is with us and with you. I want to invite you to have faith to pray that God would show you his presence and his work within your life. I pray that this year, instead of spending so much of our time looking at what is the problem in the world, we would spend more time training our hearts and our eyes in faith to see the God that is still answering prayers, the God that is still healing lives, the God that is still faithful in difficult times. I pray that in the season together as the church of God, that we would practice the living presence of God, because when we believe that he is who he says he is, and we believe that he is with us we expect so much more than we often do and I want to expect more of the God who is with me I think the scripture itself teaches us something more it teaches us that God is faithful in verses 6 and 7 we find Jesus telling the servants to fill The stone jars used for ceremonial cleansing, hand washing. Have you ever wondered why you would not use the the old wine bottles or the containers that the wine came from that was previously served? Why use containers meant to hold water for hand washing? That was a part of the ritual, the culture, the tradition, perhaps one would even say the religion of Israel, God's people. 
You think, I, I think that, that Jesus is always doing more than we think he's doing. He's dealing with the present and the past and our future. He's working in ways that, that perhaps transcends uh, what we think he can do. Because in the simple act of choosing these jaws that represents perhaps <laughs> the emptiness of a religion that God's people long to have filled, Jesus is making this point that I have come to fill that which has run dry with new wine, because what my Father has promised in the old is faithful to continue today. You know what Jesus does when he trains the water into wine? Is he says, here is a new covenant that fulfills the old, does not discard the promises I've made to my people, does not say I am done with Israel, but fills it to such an abundant fullness that all may come to drink from this new wine. You see, the God in Christ who fills the stone jars is the God of faithfulness from old to new. The God who says, I do not discard, but I renew and I fill to the fullest that which is empty. Do you feel empty today? Do you feel that religion, church, this has just kind of felt like the same thing we do? Do you feel that, that there is a, a sense where you've become more comfortable with a a sense of not possessing what you desire within your spirit, within your heart, and within your soul. Here's the good news. Jesus uses empty vessels, fills them with new wine, does not forsake his promises made of old. You can trust him today that neither will he forsake you or me. Come on now. <laughs> Come on now. He's faithful, my friends. Your pastor, I like saying that because I like being your pastor. I genuinely, <laughs> it's kind of like, it's kind of like, you know, when I show up at one of my kids, like, you know, uh, schools or, or when, when Lalana was playing basketball, I want people to know, I'm her dad. <laughs> you know, <laughs> this is, is a pride. Now, now, sometimes she does things that I, I want to go, I'm not, I'm not her dad. I'm not with her. <laughs> but for the most part, <laughs> for the most part, I'm proud. But I, 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 I I'm so... Uh, taken by the, uh, the scripture personally, because I think um, that God speaks life and hope to us through his word, and, and I believe that words, especially that comes from scripture, conveys hope and power. I believe that 
every time we hear the word proclaimed, and, and whether it's by a great orator or not, whether it's a good sermon or not, when we hear the word of God, we are hearing words of faith and hope. And I wonder this morning if in the simplicity of God is with us and God is faithful, you would hear the promise of God spoken deep, not only to your mind so that you can understand what these ritual symbols, symbolic clay jars might mean, but with your heart receiving within your spirit the hope that comes from the one who is present and has filled you with himself. If God is not done with Israel, God is not done with us. The steward, I say that name funny, so my wife always tells me how to say my own name because I, I say it with a bit of a weird hybrid accent now, right, between South Africa and it is weird, yeah, I know. But you understood what I said. So there you go. Um, the chief steward, um, he's surprised. He's surprised because culturally, um, you don't save the best wine till the end. By the way, um, we understand from the historical cultural reality of the day that to run out of wine was not just, a, not just an inconvenience. You know, it, it was an embarrassment. It, it brought shame on the host. And not only that, the, uh, the bride and groom could interpret that as a as a curse, if you will, upon their life together. Uh, I, I mean, I could preach on so many aspects, like the hour has come, but I, I do want to say this. I love that Jesus, uh, you know, saves the best for last and not only, you know, provides the guest with good wine, but saves the host from shame and fear. In Numbers chapter 11, the people of God, the Israelites, they lament. You know, that's a good word. You know what lamenting is? Lamenting is kind of looking back longingly. They, they lament um, what they had in Egypt. Now, anybody who studied Scripture, you know that Egypt was not... It was not Disneyland for the Israelites. In Numbers 11, however, the, 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 the present circumstance that they find themselves in, they living off God's provision, quail and manna, and uh, they are starting to feel like it would be better to go back and be a slave than trust that the best is yet to come. You know, in, in this season of life, uh, it might feel like our own wilderness. It might feel like... Um... Now, I know this is not everybody. I've spoken to some people and they said, I'm doing great. <laughs> and I'm like, I need you in my life. 
but also tell me what the secret is. But perhaps some of us feel that, that, that liminal space, that, that place where it just feels dry and, and um, we find ourselves lamenting a, 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 a history, a past, wishing that we could go back. I think that the reason Israel laments the past is because they stopped believing the word of God's promise for the future. And I wonder that when it comes to this text, when the steward is surprised by the good wine that comes at the end, it is a, a powerful reminder to us not only that God is present and where he's present, miracles happen. Not only that God is faithful, but that what God has promised he will do, he will do. Many Christians living as if the best is behind us. No amens. You know that, 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 that uh, uh, <laughs> I've used this term before, and I borrowed from another author that I can't remember right now. But that kind of let's go back to Egypt mentality will keep us from the delight and the joy of God's promised presence and future. Faith requires believing the Word of God even when it's hard. John's revelation in the concluding chapters, the vision he gives us is a magnificent one that anchors our hope in God's intended future. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth has passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for a husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. 
For the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. The image of heaven throughout Scripture is often one of a banquet, a wedding banquet, a place of rejoicing. God is often described as the bridegroom and Israel, his people, as his bride. It is a foretaste, a, uh, an appetizer, if you will, of where God is taking us. Do you believe that? Let us pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your presence and your faithfulness. I ask that we would, as your people together, Enter this new year as those who practice your presence, who believe your word, and live with hope for what is to come. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.